Fuck that shit, let's kill this bastard. Welcome to Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantine Enema, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the name of the show. My name is Connor Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Very cool stretch of episodes we've had. We're going to bring it down a little bit today. Good movie, nonetheless. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to try and keep this one a little bit shorter. I got my eye on the clock here. Uh, going to try and keep this one on the shorter side. I know the last couple have uh, really run rampant. Uh, we did our Dark Knight series, so to speak. Uh, Casey, uh, Casey Shue joined us for episodes about both The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, two of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. Uh, and then the previous episode that we released this past Wednesday, uh, our, my good friend Connor McKinney was on that one. We talked about Dazed and Confused. And uh, real real funny, actually, uh, so about that one, my dad actually texted me today. Uh, I'm recording this on Thursday, July uh, 2nd. So my dad actually texted me this afternoon. He was like, hey, love the Dazed and Confused episode, but you missed a chance to, uh, to you know get some real uh, perspective on May 28th, 1976. And I texted him back and he was like, well, like, well, we need to get you on a show. Uh, let's, uh, let's have a little spinoff episode. And he, and he declined. He declined of all people. So, Dad, if you're listening to this, we got to get you on that spinoff episode. Uh, hopefully people are going to be asking for it. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what was a very cool movie for me. Um, it, this movie means a lot to me. Uh, it is our first Quentin Tarantino movie that we're doing. Uh, in in the podcast here, uh, and we're going to get to a lot of them, trust me, uh, but alphabetically speaking, uh, this is the first one, Django and Chains coming down in just a couple episodes here, uh, but today we're going to talk about Death Proof, uh, 2007, a uh, bit of an outlier for Quentin Tarantino, uh, it's the popular opinion that this is like one of his worst movies, or uh, worst is the wrong word, the bottom of what he's made. Uh, yeah, as, as far as like rings go, it's near the bottom, but this is still better than, you know, 80% of the movies that go out there. It's Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and I, I love this movie. It was, it's part of, so, okay, what makes this movie unique is it was part of a double feature, uh, part of the Grindhouse double feature, and um, it th- this uh, was played in the latter half of Grindhouse, and Grindhouse, if you don't know, uh, it was this movie and uh, a little movie that we've talked about here uh, on several occasions called Planet Terror. Uh, that's a Robert Rodriguez movie. Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, obviously, freaking collaborators with one another. Uh, and Planet Terror was—it's like this, like zombie, you know, it, it's a zombie movie. It's basically a zombie movie. Uh, and then there's about like 15, 20 minutes of like trailers for like fake movies. I'll, I'll get more to that into the uh, the Planet Terror episode because I, I like Planet Terror more than I like Death Proof. So I really want to go all out for that one. Uh, but there's some of the most ridiculous like fake trailers for movies uh, in between the two. And then Death Proof goes on. And this is like an homage to like the drive-in movie theater experience of like the 70s and 80s, I think. Uh, and not that I was there or anything, not that I really have anything to compare it to, uh, but it's obvious that this is, you know, like these horror movies, the, these kind of like B movies, so to speak, uh, and like, you know, Quentin Tarantino just wanted to go out and do this. You know, this uh, it was his follow-up to the Kill Bill franchise, and the movie after this uh, that he made was Inglorious Bastards, which obviously kicked off, uh, you know, a, a big stretch of him doing like westerns and stuff like that. It was... Well, I, well, Kill Bill Volume 2 is a bit of a Western, uh, but um, 
after this, you had Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, uh, Hateful Eight come out chronologically, and then you had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out last year, which I loved. Great movie. Uh, I love all those movies. And like I said before, this one, it's like it's near the bottom of my Quentin Tarantino rankings, but it's still better than most movies. Uh, so it's a horror movie. If you don't know, okay, so if you don't know anything about the movie, uh, let me just kind of get into it a little bit. Uh, so it is a horror movie. It's about, uh, it stars Kurt Russell. Uh, it's got a cast of strong females as well. It's got Zoe Bell, Rosario Dawson, Tracy Toms, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Vanessa Ferlito, Sydney, Tanya Portier, the daughter of Sydney Portier, fun fact. Um, he named his daughter Sydney, that's right. Sydney Portier named his daughter Sydney. Uh, it's also got Rose McGowan, who's also in Planet Terror, uh, Jordan Ladd, and then it's also got appearances from QT himself, Eli Roth, Omar Doom, Michael Parks, and Jonathan Loughran, who plays Buck in the Kill Bill movies. Uh, so a couple of qu frequent uh, Quentin Tarantino collaborators in there. Uh, the girls, I don't think any of them, uh, aside from Zoe Bell, I don't think any of them ever did anything again with Quentin Tarantino, but still they all, you know, they all kill it nonetheless. Uh, and it's okay. So back to the movie. So Kurt Russell, he play, he plays stuntman Mike and stuntman Mike is a bit of a psychopath. Uh, and he basically stalks, uh, these two groups of women around and eventually he commits vehicular well, not manslaughter, murder, vehicular murder, but he's able to stage it as an accident. Uh, so he stalks these, uh, you know, all these girls, and he, uh, you know, he basically goes around in this like killer car, so to speak, which is death proof. He's a stunt driver. He's death proof his car, hence the name of the movie. Uh, and the movie's kind of in like two halves. Uh, you have the first half of the movie is is with this one group of women, uh, and that's with Vanessa Ferlito, Sydney, Tanya Portier. Rose McGowan and Jordan Ladd's characters, uh, they, you know, they're this group of girls who they're reuniting, uh, for, you know, or some of them are like from Texas, Sydney Portier's daughter plays, uh, this girl named Jungle Julia, uh, and they're just kind of like going, like, they're just kind of bopping around Austin, Texas, you know, going out, having a good time, and meanwhile, this guy's like kind of stalking him the whole time, they meet him at the bar, and they converse, and blah, 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 uh, and then, uh, the second half, you got Rosario Dawson, Tracy Toms, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, who's great, by the way. Not 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 particularly in this movie, but she's just a great actress in general. Uh, I'd love to see her in some more stuff. Maybe I'll get into that a little later. Uh, and Zoe Bell, who I will definitely get into uh, a little later. Uh, and so then they're in Tennessee. They're filming a movie. They're all on um, the crew for this movie that's being filmed. And Kurt Russell, you know, he makes his way up to Tennessee after Texas and... Blah blah blah. So he's he's a psychopathic car killer. If that makes any sense. It's a little. It sounds a little odd to explain. Uh, the movie. It's definitely the slowest of all the Quentin Tarantino movies as far as the dialogue is concerned. It's not as you know whippy or snappy as you know a lot of the other ones. It's not. It's not as fun, so to speak. But it's definitely the most like. Well, not the most. It's very conversational. Um, as far as like what, how the dialogue compares, I would compare it to maybe Reservoir Dogs. 
uh, just as far as like, oh, like this actually sounds like a real conversation. And, you know, there's just long, long scenes of dialogue drawn out. And it's, you know, people expressing their opinions, which are really Quentin Tarantino's opinions. And uh, one one conclusion that I drew from this movie is that this is definitely Quentin Tarantino's horniest movie that he's ever made. Uh, very big feet guy. <laughs> very well documented that this Quentin Tarantino's a big, uh, you know, foot fetish guy. And uh, this movie's no exception to that. A lot of feet, a lot of butts. Uh, a lot of legs, and uh, but hey, you know, to each his own. And uh, anywho, uh, yeah, so the dialogue, you know, it's it's just it's very conversational. There's not a ton of action in this movie. I shouldn't say that. There's for the first, let's say this movie is about pulling it up here. The movie runs at a two hour and seven minute runtime. I'd say. For about 90 minutes of that is just people talking. Whether it's in a bar, in a restaurant, or in a car, or whatever, it's just people talking. Uh, in the first half of that story that I explain, there's maybe five minutes of, act, of like action to action. And that is when Kurt Russell, you know, he, he abducts Rose McGowan, and then he goes off and kills uh, the other people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then... The last, like, 20 to 30 minutes of the movie, which is, the se- you know, obviously it's the second half with, uh, you know, the second cast of characters, uh, is the the best chasing I've ever seen, which completely, if uh, if it didn't have this chasing in, in the movie, the movie would not hold nearly as much weight as I think it does. Uh, other than that, like, it's just kind of, like, it's an homage to B movies of the seventies and the eighties, which obviously are not the best. <laughs> and uh, without this chasing, it you know it probably would not have been the best. Uh, but it's it's one of the best chasings I've ever seen put on film. Uh, it's it's really something. You just got to watch it. Just try and see if you can look it up on YouTube uh, if you don't want to watch the full movie. Uh, but the it's just an absolutely mind blowing uh, you know sequence how they. How they did it with, uh, you know, the they got these muscle cars and uh, Zoe Bell, uh, her, she plays herself in the movie. Ironically, she does, she's not playing a character; she's playing herself. Uh, they're playing when Kurt Russell like finds them. They're playing this game where she's like lying on top of the car. Zoe Bell's a stunt woman from New Zealand, uh, and uh, like I said, I will get into her in a little bit. Uh, but she's like lying on top of the hood of the car, so but she basically goes through most of the chase sequence, like riding the car like as it's getting hit by other cars and she's just hanging on for dear life and she's doing it like she's doing it in real life it's absolutely amazing uh, I think this movie the first time I saw it I saw so I saw it as part of Grindhouse uh, I think I I might have been actually with Casey uh, you know the guy who did Dark Knight Dark Knight Rises Beer Fest uh, Bra- uh, no did he do Braveheart with us no I don't remember uh, but yeah, he's been on the show a couple times. I think I saw it with him when we were teenagers and like, we were just kind of like watching in my basement and like all of a sudden like this chasing happens and we're just like, what the fuck is this? This is like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Um, and no, it was just, it was just really fucking cool. Like I loved it. It's one of those like, I, let's see, 2007, I was 15 at the time. Maybe by the time it came on like TV and stuff like that, I was 16 uh, so that's that was the first time I saw it, like in my basement, just like one of those like late night things. And I fucking love this movie. I love this. I love 
Planetara, I love the Grindhouse, like, as a whole, but uh, this one was, like, that, like, this is one of the best, like, sequences. Not just chasing, which is, but the best sequences of the 21st century, in my opinion. Uh, so, okay, so like I said, I was going to try and keep the short, so I'm going to... Before we get to Danny Knows, I just want to wrap a couple things up. Uh, this is one of... So, of all of Quentin Tarantino's movies, obviously he's known for having, you know, really big soundtracks in a lot of his movies. Uh, and despite this one being in the bottom tier of his movies, again, still you know still better than most movies, not a bad thing to be the worst Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, actually, the worst, I think, is Jackie Brown, but that's just my opinion. Um, I would put... Okay, so I would put this from the bottom up. I'd go, like, Jackie Brown... And then, like, this and The Hateful Eight are tied. But that's still, you know, you sh- like, it's like those three movies, like, are the ones that, like, aren't classics. And all the other ones are, like, absolute masterpieces. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the soundtrack to this movie, it, despite the movie, you know, not being as great as the other one, uh, you know, his other ones, this is one of the best soundtracks of all the movies that he's made. Um, it also can t- takes place in a contemporary setting. It's one of the very few of his movies that actually does that. Uh, especially over the last decade, really. None of them have. Um, so it's got a great soundtrack. Uh, it's it, it mixes that, like... Uh, so the movie takes place in two locations. It's partially set in Texas, and then it's partially set in Tennessee. And it, it does a really good job of mixing, uh, you know, southern rock and, you know, uh, the Texas stuff. It's got, There's a lot of, like, Mexican influence in there. And then Tennessee, you kind of start to see that, you know, Stars and Bars kind of influence. Uh, the music, which I think is really cool, uh, and just a lot of th- this is just a really cool movie. You gotta go see it. It's like okay, so like it's the big the thing that I hate about this movie the most is that I, it's really hard to talk about and like convince people that it, it's so great because like the best part of the movie is a chase sequence that happens in the last 20, 30 minutes of the movies, and like it's a like it's it's this big car movie. They're talking about cars throughout the entire thing, but you don't really see a lot of car action until like the end and it's just fucking insane like what what Quentin Tarantino was able to do he's also the director of photography on this movie fun fact so he shot that himself uh, and I don't know it's just it's really really tough to talk about because like one of us going to say oh there's this car and then there's this other car and they're bumping into each other it's just like that it's bad it's a bad podcast uh, but this is a great movie so I can't recommend it enough just go watch it uh, and I love, I, I just love everything that he's doing. Like, this was clearly, like, a fun movie for Quentin Tarantino. Like, after this, like, we he starts uh, really hitting his stride. Uh, I think Inglorious Bastards is, oh, man, don't make me, uh, well, okay, so Pulp Fiction's my favorite movie of all time. And of the last, but, okay, but of the last, of the, tw- of 21st century Quentin Tarantino, uh, and Glorious Bastards is his best one, and then Django's a close second after that, and then, you know, this, Kill Bill, uh, the Kill Bill franchise, Hatefully, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they're all just kind of like lumped together for me, I don't know, but, uh, it's, you know, after this, he really hit a stride, so he kind of wanted to just, like, have some fun with one, you know, just make a movie that, like, he wanted to make, uh, which, well, it's Quentin Tarantino, that's all he does, he just, you know, makes movies he wants to make and steals from other movies, uh, which is great, actually. I, you know, he's he's mastered the art of that. So, I just a director who wanted to make a movie that looked like the movies he grew up watching. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, as you as uh, you know, a lot of you know, maybe some of you don't. Uh, he didn't go to film school. He wasn't this, you know, artur, so to speak. You know, he he grew up 
working in working in a movie theater, working in like a blockbuster kind of thing. Uh, video rental stores, just watching movies. That's how he studied movies. He just watched them over and over and over and over and over again. And that's just how he, you know, that's how he learned his craft. There's two ways to do it. There's book smarts and street smarts, and he's definitely the street smarts kind of filmmaker. Uh, and, you know, it's done in all of his movies. He just kind of pulls from other things, uh, which is totally fine, in my opinion. If no one's better, no one is better at uh, kind of like reaching into the history of film, saying like, oh, well, what if we do this? And then, you know, doing it even better than they did. So uh, those are just some of my thoughts about the movie. Uh, trying to keep this one short. So why don't we get into the did you knows? Uh, so let's, yeah, let's, let's get it on. Zoe Bell, I mentioned her earlier, first one. Uh, Zoe Bell does all of her own stunts in this movie. Uh, she was the stunt double for Uma Thurman in the Kill Bill series, which was also written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. So, like I said before, Zoe Bell, uh, she plays herself in this movie, Zoe the Cat. And just before all this, she had done two films worth of stunts for Uma Thurman uh, in Kill Bill. And Kill Bill's, you know, one of the best action franchises, sagas, whatever you want to call it. Saga is probably a better word for it. Uh, but there, you know, there's not a lot of, at the time at least, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, like, female-oriented action movies, and Kill Bill was certainly one of, one of them and one of the biggest ones ever made at the, at that point. And Zoe Bell had the distinction of, you know, being the stunt lady, for that mo- for that mo- uh, for that movie as the main character, the bride, um, or Beatrix Kiddo, as she's la- later revealed to be named. But Zoe Bell, like, Quentin Tarantino just wrote her into this movie. And, you know, she's playing herself. She's, you know, and she's just working on all this stuff. She's just like, okay, like, I'm, I work as a stunt woman. I'm from New Zealand. I like cars. I like this. I blah, 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 blah. And uh, she, she, she's great in this movie. Uh, very fun casting. She appears in a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies after this. Uh, I think she's in Django Unchained. I think she's in, yeah, she is in one, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I think she might be in The Hateful Eight. I don't... In in either Django Unchained or Hateful Eight, she plays a character called, like, Six Horse Judy or something like that. I, I don't remember which one it is. But she's definitely in one of those two. Uh, so, just one of those, like, hidden gems of Quentin Tarantino's that you don't really see outside... Um, you know, out, outside the, the QT universe, but uh, I'm glad that she's in it. She's a great addition to it. Very, very fun in this movie. Uh, okay, second, did you know? This is the only Quentin Tarantino film that happens in chronological order without flashbacks. Uh, so I never pieced that together, actually, until this viewing. Uh, so I obviously I watched the movie, then I did the Did You Knows, and I just never put two and two together that this is the first time that's ever happened. Uh, you know, let's go to the uh, filmography. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill 1 and 2. Uh, this, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Those are all stories that heavily revolve on, you know, non-linear storytelling. And this is the only one that's just like, yeah, it's it's just stri- straight up like this is what it is. There's no gimmicks, no nothing. Uh, just good-ass car chases and a couple of cheap scares. And that, yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, and like I said before, not the best one. I don't I, I don't think that's why you know it's certainly not for lack of creativity it's just it's a little slow at points it's a lot of the dialogue uh, that slows you down and just a, a complete lack of action compared to uh, most of his other movies uh, you know Quentin Tarantino his dialogue is very smart and it's very his 
uh, so to speak. And but there's only so much of it you can take without something actually happening. And you know, for the first like almost hour of this movie, that's pretty much what the entire movie is. Just nothing happens. It's just people talking and talking and talking and talking. <laughs> uh, but anyway, last did you know. Tarantino came up with the idea for Death Proof uh, when he was having a drunken hotel night with friend Sean Penn. Tarantino wanted to buy a Volvo because he, quote, didn't want to die in some auto accident like the one in Pulp Fiction, end quote. In regards to the safety of the car, Sean Penn said, Well, you could take any car and give it to a stunt team, and for ten dollars or $15,000, they can death proof it for you, end quote. The death proof phrase had stuck with Quentin Tarantino after that. Uh, so, okay, a drunken hotel night with Quentin Tarantino and Sean Penn. I both equally need to be a part of that room and want nothing to do with what's being said in that room. Just two, <laughs> like two complete dudes who like live in their own worlds, and that's totally awesome to me. Uh, you know, what? I'm actually gonna put so Quentin Tarantino like he's had this whole thing going for a long time. Uh, where he's like actively like spoke about like I'm gonna make ten films. That's it. He counts Kill Bill as one film. So technically he's already made ten. He's released ten, but he counts Kill Bill as one film. So he's he's made nine, so to speak, and they shot them at the same time or concurrently or whatever it was. Uh, so he so he's been very active in saying that he's gonna have one more film, and I'm gonna put good money on Sean Penn being in that movie. I don't know what it's going to be. I have no idea. He hasn't dropped any hints. You know, he's notoriously tough to get, you know, spoilers out of. Uh, he, I don't know. I can picture, I can just picture Sean Penn being in that last movie. He works with some of the best actors in Hollywood. He's really good at revitalizing careers of great actors. Look what he did with John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Uh, I mean, it's all over, uh, you know, his filmography basically is... Uh, just Mike Myers and Glorious Bastards. Uh, Christoph Waltz, he plucked him out of obscurity and made and gave the guy two Oscars in a, you know a four or five year span. Uh, it, you know, I think Quentin Tarantino would absolutely put Sean Penn in one of his movies. I can kind of see it, and maybe that's just because Chris Penn, his, uh, Sean's late brother, uh, he was in Reservoir Dogs, which is the movie that started you know everything for Quentin Tarantino. Um, so I, I don't know, I can, I can totally see Sean Penn being in that movie, but that at the same time, I would not have wanted to be in that hotel room. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, Sean Penn, slinging booze and talking movies and death proof and cars and stuff like that. No, pass. Hard pass, but at the same time, I equally need to be a fly on the wall in that room. Uh, okay, why don't we get into the... Well, let's rate this movie, guys. We're get, I'm sticking to my word. We're going to keep this one short. Uh, so let's rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 5 hazmats. My rating for death proof is... Three and a half. Uh, 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 once again, the best car chase scene I've ever seen uh, on film, uh, and the dialogue is fun. And uh, stuntman Mikey's a cool character, uh, but at the same time, not to say like the like the women like aren't the cool characters. Uh, like the, some of the dialogue is really engaging, but at the same time, there's just so much of it, and there's no action. And like you just like like you just I don't know for, like for the kind of movie it is there's just too mu- there's too much dialogue it, like this movie runs a little over two hours you could probably trim fifteen minutes out of this movie easy uh, so I'm yeah so I'm gonna give it a three and a half um, it's not as best it's not as worst 
It might be his worst, but it's not. Uh, but yeah, I give it three and a half, um, mainly just because of the last half hour, which kind of saves the whole thing from being a total disaster. Uh, but yeah, that was Death Proof. We got, guys, we got some really great movies coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Departed next. After that, we got The Descent, which is, in my opinion, the scariest movie ever made. Uh, Django Unchained, uh, we're going to be talking about soon enough. Uh, another Quentin Tarantino movie. And, oh, man, the, I, we got some good Ds, man. We've had the we've had a good run so far. We had the Dark Knight series. Uh, we had Darjeeling Limited, Dances with Wolves, which I was pleasantly surprised with. Uh, the Days to Confused episode, uh, which I love very, very much. And uh, here we are, keep cutting this one short, and I'm, now I'm rambling. So, hey, before I stop rambling, uh, give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at QuarantinemaPod. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Just give us a follow. And, uh, hey, you crazy kids, until then, just remember, don't be a hero. Stay inside and watch a movie.